Jamie Gilpin, CMO at Sprout Social, and you are listening to The Sass Holes. Welcome to Sass Holes, a show dedicated to issues within software as a service industry. Pete, Jason, and myself have a combined, rounded up 100 years of making mistakes and are more than happy to share them with you. Please rate us. Please rate us on five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Jamie Gilpin. Jamie is the CMO of Sprout Social, and we're going to chat marketing. For today's call, please refer to me as Carney, not Jamie, just to avoid any confusion. You know, Jamie was a very tough name for me as a child, as I'm glad I can vent here with my fellow Jamie. I'm sure you didn't experience the same backlash as I did. Growing up with the name Jamie uh, was was tough. When I was younger, I was called Jamie Summers, the bionic woman. Yes, I'm dating myself. And then later in elementary age, Ray Parker Jr. follow-up hit song to the song uh, Ghostbusters was Jamie Used to Be My Girl. That song and any reference to it made me turn into an instant spaz and I wanted to attack. I mean, seriously, how did that song uh, top the charts. It was awful, and I hate Ray Parker Jr. for it. I know very strong language. Um, but seriously, oh, finally, oh, Ray Parker Jr. I know. Finally, in college, though, my esteemed Marquette University as a freshman on the same floor, another kid named Jamie was on my floor. And I granted, I was much bigger than him, and I forced him to change his name. He chose Graham, and to this day, people at Marquette still refer to him as Graham. So, just so you know, I needed to vent about the name Jamie, but wow. I'm sure you can. You adhere to some of those, but it didn't have the same spin as I did. But going forward for this call, just call me Carney. To Jamie. My dad, so I'm the third. My dad was Jim. I was initially Jimmy or Jim. And then my mom just changed me uh, the name to Jamie to avoid any confusion because. Do you think you would have had a different name if the internet was around? Because they kind of stuck with all the same names there. My biggest pet peeve. No, I don't know about that. Well, my biggest pet peeve is when people say Jamie and spell it J-A-I-M-E, which is really Jaime. Um, that's one of my biggest. I would go with that's Jaime. Also female. That's the female version. So I'm J-A-M-I-E, which is actually the male version, which is I'm okay I with. I have it. never, ever thought this deeply about this particular name. and it, I mean, I understand why you have, but it has never occurred to me that there are multiple spellings that have different meanings. Yeah. I've do. just referred to you guys as Jamie and we've been confused or not confused, depending on who's in the room. I think J-A-M-E-Y drives me nuts as well. But yeah, we could spend a whole podcast on the name Jamie. Yeah, well, did you hear that so thud? Far, so Wait, we might listen for on. it. One more. Hear that thud, Carney? That's another listener falling off. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into get into talking about Jamie, we do have an ad. This episode was brought to you by NeuroNoodle. Hey, athletes, get a doodle of your noodle brain map before the season starts so you can have a baseline to compare to. You get a physical every year, right? Get a brain checkup before the season starts. Visit NeuroNoodle.com. Oh, wait, hold on. Phone's ringing. Okay. Tarny. Yeah. Tarny. Yes. Tarny. Yes, Pete. When does a joke become a dad joke? There's no joke that you tell that's even a joke. When it, when, becomes a, when it becomes a parent. Oh, God. Please live us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you really, really like us, 
Buy us a beer on Patreon. Continue, Carney. All right. So shout out, Pete. You got some shout outs here. Yeah, one. Doug Salazar. Remember him? Yeah. He was the only guy you would call help desk. He would pick up the phone. Yep. I think four, 14 years at uh, CB. Wow. Way to go. Wow. Way to go, nice. Doug. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Mary Lawrence. She just got promoted to editor, uh, editorial director at Sism. She's also uh, uh, at what? a cousin of my uh, one of my best friends. Um, what was the name of the known. company? Sism? Sism? I don't know. Vision? And then C I S I O N. Wait, Vision. you can't pronounce Vision. Vision is a pretty big, pretty big. I know it is a big company. Am I saying it wrong? <laughs> yes. Jeez. It well, sounds right really to me. It. Say it again. Vision. 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 That's what I said. <laughs> Not really, PR but that's wire. great for Mary. That's great. Yeah. That is great for Mary. Also, hey, another shout out, Matt Noonan. I got Matt Noonan. He just started a, a new job. Um, What's the company name? <laughs> Minitab. Minitab. Uh, is that how you pronounce him? He started at um, my current company at the same time. So he just left after two and a half years. It's a shame to lose him, but they put him away with more money. Anyways, I think you have another shout out. Commander Lepkowski, Lake Forest Police Department, retired after 28 years. Thank you for your service and not picking me up when you should have. We'll let it dead on post. <laughs> Jason, any deaths? Any shout outs? Yeah, I have it? no shout outs, but I, I think there are three newsworthy items that potentially speak to today's topic and marketing in general. We don't have what? to discuss them. I just want to highlight them for listeners, which is. Trump suing big tech for First Amendment infractions. Tokyo Olympics, possibly no people all of a sudden, no spectators. Richard Branson going to space. That Tokyo one, I think, is interesting. I also heard that all the companies, they're going to go in lockdown in Japan. Yeah, yeah. During the Olympics because of everyone coming in for the Olympics. So the entire country is going on lockdown. I find that just baffling. I mean, the amount of money that gets spent in the Olympics and, you know, obviously there'll be TV money will still get spent and, and benefited from probably, but I mean, all the in-market stuff that goes on. Yeah. That's all that money's already been spent, right? Isn't Somebody's it, budget has already been spent on that. Isn't it a losing proposition for a government to host the Olympics? Imagine that they, they never make money off of this deal. Imagine the amount of money that will be lost whenever they yeah. shut down and you have zero tourism. Great. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, that's that's all marketing money right there, just flying yeah. out the doors all of companies money. that they could be doing something else with. Boy, I wish, I wish we had the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics. Well, right. We well, have the Olympics, like the emotional, right. you know, getting together as a full world. That is important. That is important. I just feel like, oh my God, all of a sudden, like people, all the tickets and all that stuff is just like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. I don't think it'll happen because I that, I just heard about that the last couple of days. Has that been like, yeah. and I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's way too much to just rip out at the last second. Put well, the doobie down. What happened to yeah. that sprinter? 
He's gonna. I think she'll appeal and get through. But at the same time, you sort of scratch your head and going, "You got four years. The rules state that they test for this. Come on, like, why? Why just violate the rules? Like, if they said, "Hey, there's no uh, Chick Fil A allowed to be eaten uh, the day before an Olympic event, and I'm working four years to this, I'm not gonna eat Chick Fil A. Not that I eat Chick Fil A all the time. Thank God it's not in Atlanta." All right, just asking. All right. So, all right, now on to the main topic. So, Jamie, do you want to introduce the fat whole listeners who you are and what Sprout Social is all about? Yeah. Um, so, thanks for having me, first of all. It's great to well, be here. Thanks for coming. Sorry. OG, have to, original have to crew from our career builder days. We can talk about career builder too. I mean, 14 years is long, but I think many of you, most of you, have beat that. I was there 12. So, is there 12? Um, today I am CMO of Sprout Social. Hopefully some of your listeners, most, maybe all of your listeners are current customers of ours, but if not, um, just for, uh, informational purposes, my elevator pitch, if you will, we are a SaaS platform, software service. Uh, we offer deep social media, listening, analytics, social management, customer care, uh, social commerce and, uh, advocacy solutions. And we have, we do that for over 28,000 brands and agencies around the world. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you guys are like one of the first movers in that space. It's like uh, market, you know, sort of formalizing social marketing, correct? We are. We were. We were 11 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, is, which I, I find fascinating. So like over... You know, like how has social media evolved? I know over the last decade is probably too broad, but with like Facebook video, video in general, TikTok, Twitter, censorship, algorithm changes, how has that caused you and your company to sort of pivot um, multiple times, especially I feel like over the last 24 months, it's become such a hot topic. Yeah. I mean, the most important part of offering a platform like this is, is deep partnerships with the networks. And so you have to have those to be able to, to turn on a dime. We tell the story, this was an old one by now, but you know, when Twitter changed their character count, we knew the day it changed, we were able to roll those changes really quickly. Um, it's been a crazy ride. I mean, I've been there three and a half years. I can remember when you, Jason Ferrara, told me I had to get a Facebook account. Because like, <laughs> I'm such a social innovator. I am so innovative <laughs> in social. In 2007, I remember, it came off of, yeah. you know, you didn't have to have a .edu, and you're like, this, this is going to be important. I'm going to need you <laughs> to get a face, what is it, Facebook <laughs> account. <laughs> and my, it is, uh, it's changed dramatically. I think, um, sure has. you know, I'll put on my, like, business hat a little bit more and then I'll put on a personal hat too. But I think the biggest shifts that we've seen, I mean, especially over 2020 and we're all at home, right? I mean, the mm -hmm. usage, daily usage, behavior, et cetera, on social, that's Facebook, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of them um, dramatically increased. And so I think the big opportunity or, or I guess the shifts is that when a lot of companies didn't have, you know, their, their actual physical doors open. Social was the opportunity for them to connect with customers. That's where, you know, commerce becomes really important. 
you know, the digital transformation, we're all talking about it. Uh, but that became like, oh, cool, we've got 10 years to like make the shift that happened overnight, um, which has been critical, obviously been fruitful for our business, but also for our customers, most importantly. And I think the other thing that we're seeing, I mentioned listening and analytics is, you know, we used to do, I'm going to throw another back to you, Jason, <laughs> customer hat. Yeah, it's on my list. It's on my yeah. list to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bucket hat for for our audience here. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice um, like was bucket hat maybe. Yeah, it was, oh, it was denim. That's right. It was denim, yeah. and it was and Matt McCloskey was really the only one that would wear it. And then also, yeah, I would say that was weird that that we were all wearing the same hat. Yeah, like multiple hats. Anyway, but back then there wasn't COVID, you know, and so you could wear hats. You could wear other people's hats. But there was lice. I mean, there was like dandruff. I don't know. We, Wait, adults don't have lice, right? Oh, gross. I mean, I, <laughs> so I'm bringing it back to that because we had to like have someone that's just like thinking about the customer versus the biggest trend that we've seen in social is, you know, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars and for some companies, millions on focus groups and surveys, like you've got this real time access to a huge focus group of your consumers, of your audience, gleaning those insights that inform, you know, of course, what we know, because marketing still plays a pivotal role in social, but product innovation, um, new audiences that you can get in front of, uh, there's just so much opportunity from an insights perspective. And that's where we see, you know, some of our biggest growth, not just in social, but at Sprout overall. If you were starting a company and wanted to use social media from a guerrilla marketing perspective, how would you advise to attack that? I mean, in the early days, it was kind of easy to easier to hack the system. Uh, but as the social world has evolved, you know, I think it's harder to get the word out, especially with all the aggro. I think it's harder out. now. Yeah, it's harder now. Well, it's so definitely like, harder now because digital is in our face everywhere. Um, so now you're not just uh, competing with your competitors, you're just competing with Mindshare overall for funny gifts and other things that are all over the internet that, you know, are more entertaining, quite frankly, than some of our, you know, business messages. Here's, look, can we do this? Can we play a game of like how we can reimagine social for SaaS? Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So today I did go on your social profiles. You've got good content. The podcasts are actually super interesting, but you don't have as many followers, right? And this is the challenge that we're all talking about. Um, yep. If you think about a podcast and social, like those go together, like peas and carrots, meat and potatoes, right? Like you have to have, you can't have a, po a really successful podcast without a very strong social strategy. And so if you wanted to increase your followers, fans, and more importantly, listeners by, I don't know, what's your goal? What do you want to do? Uh, more than four plus one more yeah <laughs> plus one cool. we're plus gonna three, double maybe uh when we invite a guest we get four people to listen to our podcast jamie we want to double it so let's pretend it's a big eight, number we want to double eight. it because that's what happens in in our companies right somebody comes in and yeah. says hey guess what you've got to increase the pipeline by 3x this quarter and you go oh okay great and you just go back to your desk and you say how the hell am i going to do that so i like this this line of thinking yeah. double triple it yeah, for sure. And so, and then what's, how do you do that? And so I'd imagine today, the three of you are probably using your own handles. How do you get into the SAS holes, Twitter and Facebook and everything else? Do you even call it an aggregator? What do you call it? Where you, you, you can make one post can go everywhere. Yeah. 
the, the problem we're running into is uh, making it look good everywhere because everything has changed. You know, the sizes have changed and uh, what they'll accept as a URL has changed. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm... Need, but you need a platform that has those changes and that is like actually giving you and prompting you with what you need to do. Has like yeah. a, a full access to all of your imagery, right? That you can just pull from and do that really easily. Um, you know, there's lots of free tools out there for this. Um, but when you invest in, you know, something, especially about like Sprout social, not yes. social sorry, going back to decision for a minute. Um, when you invest in something like Sprout social, um, like you know, this is the, the biggest, the biggest opportunity to have, you know, you're all in the same, the, the same platform. You can collaborate on, Hey, this image makes sense. This doesn't. And what is important for the stage, especially in SMB, and we've got a ton of small businesses um, on our platform, you know, you're only working with the three of you. And for some companies are like one person. And so the opportunity, especially I keep going back to listening and analytics, because I think that is like the biggest untapped opportunity for really brands, customers, but all of all sizes is if you can listen, it's not just to the audience, the 13, I think followers that you have on Twitter, I couldn't get to your Facebook. That's a side note. That link is broken. Where to go, Pete? I'll send you that after. Um, but you can listen to others, like other people that have similar interests. There's 15,000, I think was the last stat, SaaS companies. You multiply that by what you're reaching finance, um, marketing, obviously, sales leaders, and up and coming. And so you're probably 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 people that you could reach out to. To be able to tap into those people on social, listen what they're interested in, start engaging with them all through the same platform. You're not like overstepping each other. You know, Pete's going on and he wants to say something funny back. And then Jason's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you checked out this, this company and what they do? That's probably not going to resonate with them. How about we do this? That's really how you, it's the collaboration. It's the listening to your audience, what they want, ensuring your content is really speaking to that. And then that also comes back to your podcast, right? I mean, that's obviously your biggest um, uh, part of your content. So what, what do, who do people want to hear from? If you talk about advertisers, I love Neural Noodle. I'm going to check that out because brain health is a big passion of mine. Um, but as you think about your advertisers, all they care about is your followers. They care about how many people you're reaching, not just who's mm -hmm. listening, but also on your social you can find new advertisers that would be a good fit for, you know, the brand. You've got a new logo. You're investing here. Um, you can cross promote. All of that is almost impossible without a more sophisticated platform. But when I say more sophisticated, it also has to be easy to use. And that I would say is our competitive advantage. And obviously I'm, I drink the Kool-Aid, but I'm also not just a marketer, but also a client of social, um, Sprout Social. So the biggest, I think, competitive thing for us is a one-person team can easily implement, get on the platform. There's a 30-day trial. You can have access to everything on the platform. But then as you scale, now it's not just three of you, right? You've got influencers that you're trying to tap into. You've got perhaps more people that are now part of SaaS holes. You've got um, content and other uh, opportunities to, to improve, especially from just the relevancy of the, of the podcast. And when that happens, like you've got to have a tool to manage all of that. And let's talk about merch. Got merch yet? 
I mean, I can't imagine yeah, what uh, yeah. so many it. SaaS people would love. And the, the, the quick wits back to Pete on the, the shirts and the hats, you know, that that you have to have like a social commerce. So we've got yeah. integrations with Shopify and Facebook Shop. So you start to see that, yeah, social is like still the remit of the marketing department. But if you think about all aspects of how you grow your business, it becomes that center point. Um, or that through line and to have a platform that can connect all of that is, I mean, for all of our customers, mission critical to their success. Should we do a, should Pete do a TikTok uh, dance video? That would be fun. Sure. Yeah. I just want to see that. Dude. <laughs> He's doing one right. right now. And so, so, hey, Jamie, can, can I ask a question, Pete? Is that right? Yeah, please, yeah. please. Um, let it head out, please. <laughs> so I want to talk, um, I'll talk a little bit about collaboration because I, I think that if I think about the the listening audience that we'd like to that we're that we're trying to trying to get to, think about their collaboration on social. And I'm guessing most people like, oh, it's it's my profile. I share things on my profile. But inside a company, let's talk a little bit more about that collaboration among people on a team and then among teams in a company. You know, how how do how do sales get involved in that? I mean, I think. We, we just assume we know how marketing gets involved in that. How does sales get involved in that? How, do, how does the partner team get involved in that? You know, what's that collaboration like? Yeah, so this is where integrations become really critical. So, um, and you're, you're speaking of sales. We've got, you know, integrations into Salesforce and, and Microsoft Dynamics. And so that's really important to get that like data back to the sales team on your audience. But then the other big one, and this comes back to like, you know, if you start merchandising things, is your customer service, customer care. They're usually in like a thing like Zendesk, which is another integration. And so you start to have the, uh, again, you've got to have that platform to as things, messages come in, whether it's from a customer or you're like, ooh, this is an audience that we need to tap into. How do you get that through to all of your teams? And that's all through the platform, which you can see if yeah. you take a 30-day trial right now. Right, exactly. Like so, yeah. so, yeah, so I mean, I think that collaboration is really important because it isn't just a... This isn't just a, well, someone, someone who's, you know, an intern is responsible for your social. Like those, yeah. those days are over, right? This is core to yeah. the core to the business. Yeah. Not, not for the small business guy. Well, then it's sometimes yeah, for the, small business for owner. The small business guy's not yeah. an intern. It's probably the small business his kid, guy. his son yeah. or daughter or doing it. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if hopefully if their son or daughter really knows the business and, you know, all those things that might be okay. Uh, but what we see is it's actually the small business owner. So what do you think yeah. is most important? Just yeah, uh, video? Would you say video is, I find video to be the most engaging. So video like, is huge. Videos. My, my wife does a ton of video interviews with holistic uh, practitioners and, and gets that on Facebook as much yeah. as possible. Videos is, uh, continues to be, and this is probably again, another, uh, output from 2020, like people, yeah, they want to read, but they most importantly just want to engage and just be able to like watch something as they're doing something else, which is uh, why video has actually been a huge surge over the last, I mean, probably the last two years, but especially over the last 12 months. Um, and the thing for you is you've got all this video content. So how can you like edit quick quips, right? Get those out on Facebook, even Twitter, Instagram is huge. Um, a little stronger, especially as we think about like some of the B2C and retail um, companies who obviously have a lot of uh, visual 
type of content that they need to, or that their audience is looking for, but it really, it's for everyone. Stories is another big mm-hmm. one. Um, Facebook has stories now because of Instagram, uh, YouTube again, mm-hmm. also still a really big player here. So yeah, video is huge. The small business guy. Hi, I'm a small business guy. Okay. I got to be on this. I got to edit this. I got to edit it again. And then I got to post it and then, cl- you know, cut it up. You have 24 hours in a day. What's the number one thing you got to work on first, you think? I would think the content, because if you don't have anything good to listen to, nobody's going to show up. But what else should well, go down the pecking order, guys? Anybody can pitch in on that one. Content is big. I would say, you know, if I put my SMB customer hat on, um, it's going to be hard for a small business owner. If it's just that person, like an entrepreneur is trying to spin up, it's going to be hard for them to create a bunch of videos. And so this is where, you know, yes, video is hot and definitely a huge opportunity and and a a big audience driver for, for companies. But I mean, even just simple imagery, is equally important. Um, if you think about, and I know you, you just had something on content before, like a blog as a small business owner, you're writing a couple articles a week, throwing that up on your website, re promoting the, or promoting those on all of your social channels. And you can do that through a platform, you know, by doing all of them at the same time with slight edits based on the network itself. And then the big part, and I you can do that on Sprout Social with the thirty-day trial. You can do that very free. easily on Sprout Social. Free. Um, free. It's not free, but return ago. on your investment far outweighs the cost. Yeah. Um, seriously. So then, you know, I think there's also, I think the bigger probably challenge that smaller companies and you know kind of one person team has as you start to build your audience again through that content relevancy are you speaking to what your audience needs um now you've got straight you're starting to get engagement back and that's probably the biggest gap or challenge that smb companies have because now consumers expect real time get back to me i mean our last stat from our index was within like 24 hours. And in most cases, it's like two hours. And so if you don't have a team, you know, now the more that you're posting, the more that you're having to engage back. And that's where your audience starts growing. It's not just impressions on the content itself. It's the engagement that you have back and forth, because that's what people are on social for. Yes, they're there to lurk and, and take in content, but they also are there to engage, ask questions, understand what your product is, um, if they have challenges with your product, that's like, you, you got to get back to them within an hour. Um, I mean, I've got lots of stories around, you know, people who can't get people on the phone right now from a company, partly because of COVID and people not being in the office, but they're going to social and it, and that's public. And so if you're not responding, um, getting those answers back to them, that's, that's where, you know, some smaller companies have challenges, but again, a platform we have amazing agency partner program, actually, that um, is also a great resource. So if you can't do it yourself, outsource, get an agency to help. Um, that's agency partner program on SproutSocial.com. 30 days. <laughs> I do love the, um, I, I do, I do love the co- concept of, of speed, Jamie. And I think that that's, that's really important. I mean, just my, 
my personal experience, we joke about, you know, me suggesting to you to get a Facebook page back in 2007, but, but the time that the expectation of delivery from that point to today, I mean, there, when we say immediacy, it's not figurative. It is actually like immediate response. Um, so how do you, how do you talk to your, to your clients about, you know, when you put on the customer hat and Pete's got a great, great, um, thought, I think their question there, which is how do you talk to them about that? I mean, how, how am I supposed to, I don't have a personnel budget anymore. Like it's all taken up and like, how do I, how do I absorb that immediacy that is needed? But when you prioritize above all the things, I mean, obviously product is important, critical, because if you don't have a great product, then what are you promoting? But wouldn't you prioritize the most important growth channel for you? So before you have personnel, I mean, we all know how to use social from a personal perspective. And so from a business, there's nuances and, and shifts there about where we should be prioritizing that from a business perspective. And so if I'm a, a, a entrepreneur, you know, m- woman, one man, woman show, one person show, I should say, I'm going to spend time on social because that's where I'm going to build my audience. And that's probably should be the most important. If we think about, you know, marketing as the most important, in my opinion, hopefully in others, you know, growth engines for your, for your company, regardless of the stage, social is the linchpin of that marketing strategy. And now we see going beyond into product innovation, operations, uh, customer care, et cetera. So my advice would be to prioritize it. And if you have the budget, Sure, you can go outsource to agencies, which is a great resource. Not everyone has that resource, but I'm going to prioritize that as the owner. Yeah. What, what about the new kids coming out of college and they're getting dumped in a marketing role? What, what's the advice that uh, we, we could give them? Because a lot of people listening to the show are just in their new roles, one of them being marketing, and they're, they're, they're being tasked with social media. What would be two or three things we want to give as advice as do and don't do? I think the biggest, well, I mean, social has obviously evolved tremendously, but marketing equally, as far as like trajectory of change has been as intense. And I think the biggest change from when I started in marketing, thank you, Jason, for hiring me, however many years ago, um, two decades almost, uh, it's very different. I mean, it's, it's, you have to be both the scientist and the artist. Like you've got to be data driven. Um, I'm proud of quite a few of the academic institutions today that are starting to add that data analytics layer to marketing degrees. Um, as I as I look at even my roles posted, we've got another plug for all of you listening at marketing. Social.com uh, <laughs> backslash careers. Uh, We have at least six up there right now. We'll be posting quite a few more open roles, but the hardest ones to fill right now are marketing operations, marketing analytics, uh, growth marketing, product marketing, all these more technical roles that unfortunately, again, some academic institutions are starting to to, um, help with that, with that skill set. But unfortunately, most of those you've got to learn on the job. And so if I'm a brand new person, I encourage everyone and I'm sure most of your listeners are to be curious you know understand the data there's easy ways to pull reports from Salesforce easy ways to pull reports and analytics from Sprout Social understand what's driving um, ask good questions 
because it's not just the creativity anymore, which is equally as, I mean, again, important, but it's really that, that science behind it. Why are we making the decisions we are? Why this message? Why this logo um, is where I think some of the gaps are. I think you always need to quantify everything you do, even if it is a, you know, like, hey, we're doing a branding play here. It's sort of like, then come up with some sort of quantifiable stat that we can tie to, even if it's not like the underlining thing, there's got to be a way or an indication to be successful. And I, I yeah. feel like that, that has changed. You can see a traffic increase, right? You can see traffic changes and like persona changes on your site. You know, we always start on social and that's a a best practice with any sort of messaging. Test it there. Do you get more engagement? Do you get more impressions with that message? Uh, And then put that out towards uh, your more kind of mainstay type of uh, platform or type of channels like your site paid. Yeah, Um, yeah, there's, you can measure everything. It's almost overwhelming at this point, which is why I think that data analytics piece is so important because you have so much data. What's actually driving the performance that you're you're doing? I think I think one thing to always think about if you're marketing and doing marketing analytics as well is that sometimes the company might be focused on one stat. What you're doing does not have to impact that stat necessarily, but you have to have some sort of stat to to showcase your impact. I guess I'm talking in code, but at CareerBuilder or at our former company, uh, expressions of interest or applications was always the driving force amongst everything that we did. But in sometimes we would spend money on marketing. It didn't drive applications. That's fine. Still have a stat to drive against. Doesn't mean they're not going to move forward with it because it doesn't impact EOI or doesn't impact applications. They will move forward with it as long as you have a stat that you can measure up against. And that, that always seemed to be something a lot of new marketing people or, or people that were doing certain things were always fearful of, that if it didn't align to what the company is focused on, doesn't mean it's going to get funded. Yeah, I think Kid, you can still make that connection, though. Yeah. Kid, kiddos out there, Uncle Pete says, if you're making $40, $50 an hour, you got to justify and show that you're bringing in more than $40, $50 an hour. Now, yeah. that's easy to do in sales, but see, the you, you marketing people – way it goes with marketing is if the sales don't come in it's the marketing people's fault the marketing says well it's the sales people not executing the marketing vision it's a lovely thing when you get to and be product is thrown in the mix too and pro- yeah. screw product we're a sales driven company and the rev ops guys are always blamed because <laughs> we set quotas too high or we didn't write the right comp plan well it Wait, is all together i mean you know i have a revenue number so it's not just about MQLs for me. I have all the way down to all new business revenue. I've got an expansion revenue for our current customer base and to cross all upsell opportunities. And I measure everything that goes into that. And it's not just a throw it over the fence, right? And then point fingers when it doesn't happen. It's really understanding. Mm-hmm. And this is honestly where Career Builder was super helpful for me is that sales enablement piece, like understanding the sales process, where we can be more valuable, supportive of that. It's not just, hey, we've given you the leads. It's, okay, how are you How are you changing your message based on where those leads came in? And how are you speaking to the customer's values and more importantly, challenges um, to actually get those into a closed one in Salesforce speak? Yeah, Jamie, I think that's important. A place I want to take my next question, which is about your career. So you've had uh, sales and marketing experience in your career. I'd be interested to understand, you know, when you got to Sprout Social, 
what was the marketing team like? How connected was it to the sales team? How, how did you interact there? Get people's understanding of what you were trying to accomplish? Um, and, and then maybe, you know, previous roles too. Like how, how did you, how are you connecting those two things? Yeah. So um, previous or right after Career Builder, I went to Envoy Global. And that was also an incredible experience. Series C, SaaS startup, uh, securing global uh, immigration visas for uh, workers, right? So it's still in the HR tech space. Um, at that place, I mean, I had to build the entire team. I think I had two people uh, when I first started. We grew that to 14. I also took over the SDR function, which we can talk about where does SDR function fit? Uh, marketing and sales. I do not have SDRs at Sprout, uh, but that was a really, I think if I think about my career and the upper, the experience at that small, small company, we uh, secured another round of funding. I was obviously in every board meeting with our investors. We built the entire like analytics framework for when leads come in, how those get passed over. All of those aspects was, was really helpful for me. And then when I got the call for, from Sprout, uh, I was not looking for a role similar to Envoy. I wasn't looking then, uh, but it was an opportunity for me to, to grow and scale again, similar to at Career Builder, but also with different from Career Builder, where marketing was really a linchpin to the overall strategy. And so <laughs> this is public information, but you know the marketing team still drives 80, 85% of new business revenue. That's through a highly inbound, the trial model I've talked about. And so when I came aboard, it was less about uh, building and less and more about aligning mm -hmm. the marketing team. Mm -hmm. Both, honestly, the bigger uh, focus for me was aligning them together, aligning the teams together. And then, you know, fortunately, you know, sales is very dependent on us. And so that alignment was pretty strong but I talked about the sales enablement piece. It's one thing to pass it over, you know, over the fence. It's another to really understand how we can better support. And so that function is, is much stronger today. We have uh, a good sized team, especially compared about 10% of the overall employee count is in marketing. I've got, you know, a, a really strong brand and comms team that's social uh, PR, all of those aspects. I've got a, uh, incredible demand gen, as you would imagine, acquisition team. Uh, so Kristen on the, the brand side, Marino on the acquisition side, we just um, brought on a new head of product marketing and growth marketing, Juni, who helps with that messaging and that sales enablement and getting some of these newer products out into the market in an efficient way, um, and then a, a head of enterprise and then events. And so all of those teams are, are also dependent on each other to hit our goals. And so bringing those rituals I'm going to keep giving you shout outs, Jason, but some of the rituals that you had like back in the day, the commander's intent, which we can't really say that anymore, but what's the most important thing that this team overall has to be aligned to and how are we all holding each other accountable, but also supporting each other. Um, so honestly, I came into a great team and was able to hire more and really proud of what we've done. Well, it, and it almost sounds like Sprout Social set up like our, like the machine, um, it's more inside uh, collaboration and the outside salespeople probably have bigger territories and are able to cover a lot more because of the support of the entire collaboration. Yeah. Another shout out to our man, Justin uh, Roth March, March is his name. Yeah. 
machine yep. book, but it really sounds like that, that's sort of where you guys are at. Yeah, it's the inbound right funnel that comes in, but then we also have the enterprise leader that's focused on the outbound side. Yeah. Supporting our BDRs and- What's your take on SDRs? You said SDRs, you had them and you don't have them. They, I had them at Envoy, much smaller company. Our SDR team is huge. As you'd imagine, the thousands of uh, trials, leads, demos that come in on a monthly basis uh, have to be vetted, qualified before they get sent over to our sales team. And so uh, we definitely work in lockstep. It's a really strong relationship, which is why it works. If it wasn't, then maybe make the case to mm -hmm. pull it under marketing, but. Carney is that group. reporting to the sales team right now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give it a year, it'll change. Uh, speaking to the group here, it depends where you hop on the, the roller coaster, right? The, the business life cycle. It will depend, you know, where you are in marketing. Anybody want to speak to that? Because if you're in growth mode, okay, Mark. No one knows what, but I, yeah, but I, all right. The problem is no one knows exactly where you're at in your life cycle at the current time that you're in, right? You can well, look at it historically and say, oh, we were in growth mark, growth side then or not. But you don't well, know when you're mature or not. You pretty much know when a private equity firm buys your company, you know where you're yes, where you're at that point. Yeah, okay. The, yeah. All right. The the the, so, the so, business so, I'm a part of, Pete, now, and, yeah. and Jamie was talking about building versus aligning. You know, the the business that I'm a part of now, both things are needed <laughs> from a from a, how does marketing work with the rest of the company? Both things are needed. We're we're focusing on well, frankly, we're focusing on both things at the same time. Like we're, we're going, but we're starting building. And when we build something, then we, we, we get that alignment. And then we build something and we get that alignment. And, you know, I, that's going to last for a period of time. And I don't know how long that is. It's certainly longer than the first three months that I've been here that we, that we have that, uh, th those two projects to do. And, and frankly, that probably never ends, right? You always search for deeper alignment and, and places to build and change. Um, but I totally identify with, with Jamie when you come in and you say, okay, is the team mature here at one company is different than another. And so you kind of figure out how to, how to do that. But, but you're really at some point you're like, okay, I've built something. Now I have to align it because if you don't, if you don't connect that the, the alignment and Jamie, you give me your two cents, but all the building you've done will not result into anything. If you can't align it properly with the other team. It doesn't scale. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you've got, you know, at a certain stage, then there's, you got to put more process in place, right? Like it's the entrepreneurial kind of like everyone just jump in and solve a problem, which is a really fun stage to be in. But at some point, especially as you grow in an overall headcount, like you've got to put processes in place to make sure that those like new ideas are scaled and executed in the best way. But then I do think you get to a point um, where then you're over-processed mm -hmm. and then everything That's a good takes point. so long uh, to get anything out the door where like building a presentation or launching a web page was like, Hey, I want to do this. Cool. We can get that out tomorrow is now like, well, it's got to go into the roadmap and the planning process. And so, which is also important about how do you continue to align, build, but also instill that creativity that kind of starts to get lost uh, when you are bigger and have, you know, processes in place to, to be able to scale. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's not just a marketing that's yeah. not just a marketing comment, right? If, if we, you know, 
Pete and Jane and Pete and Carney and I talk about um, new sales managers all the time. And I think there's a tremendous amount of creativity needed in that role. And it is like, you don't want to bury that creativity in so much process because every single day as a, as a new sales manager, you're trying to evaluate someone's effectiveness and there's an enormous amount of creativity needed for that job. Yeah. Cause all of your reps are different. They've got different yeah. skill sets, right? You've got to flex from one to the other, a different challenge with a different customer. Uh, it's absolutely a creative role. And then, but we also are putting a ton of process on them, log everything into right. Salesforce or whatever your CRM <laughs> is. Um, <laughs> make sure you're following up on our leads and, you know, uh, attributing it to this campaign. So how do you, uh, you know, balance that scale with continue to, to innovate? And be creative. Yep. Oh, for the new people also. So your social media profile. Close it off or not. I always went back and forth. I would hear from people at our former company would be like, don't be friends with anyone at Kerbal. And I'm like, okay. So I just unfriend everybody. And then people would be like, why'd you unfriend me? I'm like, HR told me not to. Um, how would you go about, I mean, besides cleaning it all up, I know we got new users. Make sure you get rid of some of the crap that you might've put out there in your college years. But yeah, yeah. Marquette. I mean, you know, some some are still old school in this place. I think the employers are a lot more. Like, do you remember when we were doing video interviews and it, we like had them and then we didn't have them because it would yeah. be, you know, and that's just a thing now. It's totally yeah. normal and encouraged to go to their Facebook or their LinkedIn, probably more so their LinkedIn to learn more about them. Um, to be able to, to connect, and this is actually where advocacy comes in, which is another, um, you know, part of our, our platform, especially for larger companies and even, you know, mid-sized companies, the value of your employee base to help you with that message and getting that out there is incredibly powerful. So everything mm-hmm. that we post on social, we also post in um, our advocacy tool and all of our employees are there, employees are there, their networks are connected. They're now reposting to their own friends, audience. This is also super helpful for HR and recruiting, but also even for our own business-wise product launches, uh, you know, PR, press releases, awards that we're winning, that, that becomes a really important yeah. influence um, channel for us. Gamification. Is that still around? Badges, all that? Uh, does that play a role in, in, in marketing? I think it does. You know, this is really dependent on personalities. I could care less about gamification. Yeah, yeah. Pete plays uh, Candy Crush all day long when, you're, when he's not doing this podcast. Yeah, I don't really play those games and like gamification is not really something big for me. I'm obviously a different persona for, for people, the users in the platform. I think it's really dependent on their, how competitive they are and how much of a, uh, what's their motivator? What is that motivator? Acknowledgement? No, whatever it is, you know, everyone has yeah. different motivators. Gamification. We'll Let's just say use the, the word gamification. gamification. And so. No, it's their ego. They want to, you know. They're competitive, ego. Then, then there's people that are shy. They don't want any of that stuff. Facebook's trying to push the. Uh, sorry, I'm still stuck on Facebook. I know it's dying, but that's you know the it's 45. Not dying. They had a huge. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's dying. It's not dying. Demographics We're, are changing a bit, but it's definitely not. The Democrat. Well, Instagram maybe more. I, I I don't know. Just a small business guy here. 
but uh, they try to push the badges on there and wondering how that is that worth it? Is that is it make it unique? Is it a marketing thing? It is a marketing thing. I would go back to your just keep bringing it back to listening. Understand where your audience, like what motivates your audience. And then that's what you should build for. For our audience, um, I don't think gamification, at least not right now on the roadmap, makes sense. There might be certain parts of our app that that it would, but we have to listen to our audience first. Don't build just because it's a cool idea. Uh, Jamie, one one of the things that um, we put in the intro of the show is about the fact that that Carney and Pete and I have made hundreds of years worth of mistakes, right? <laughs> and, and that, round, and that one of up. the one of the points of this uh, this podcast would be to share some of those mistakes. So, or and 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 probably more more positively, the, what the lessons are. So, you know, what's what's a lesson that you've learned in your career? You know, could have been learned the hard way, could have been learned an easy way. But what what's a lesson for you uh, as you think back about your career? I think the biggest one, and this is not social listening, this is just listening, just the actual traditional yeah. sense of the word. I think that's a, it's probably always been a strength of mine to ask good questions and listen. Uh, but if I were to, to look back on my career is when I ha- didn't listen and just went straight to solutioning, uh, one, I didn't miss it. I missed what the actual problem was whether that's marketing problem, performance issue, a person, you know, people problem or, or people challenge that we had, if I didn't really dig deeper and I, and I also have that, that challenge just personally, I want to go back into solution mode. Um, but taking that pause and asking the next question and the next question, this is also important for salespeople um, with their customers, asking those next layer questions to really get to the root of what we're trying to solve for. Um, the biggest mistakes I've made is when I, didn't do that and just went into solutioning and execution, both from a marketing role job, but also from a leadership perspective and people management. Yeah. Great. Thank you. I think that that's uh, obviously relatable to everybody in terms of, in terms of listening, but I, I think really not me important and hard to do, right? You're all, you're all about your ears are big and always open. Aren't they, Pete? What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jamie Jamie Gilpin, we we what a what a great show! I think we're going to get plus two listeners uh, after yes, this maybe. one. Awesome! Well, I got? can help with you know that social promotion too. So let me know when thirty you days. Thirty uh, days. I'm I'm. We're going to take a little look at that. I don't. It's like not too not committing too much. He's trying no, to make so, sure the salespeople don't call him. Try to hit them up until you can figure out how to pay for it. Oh, yeah. They can call me. Well, go for the the qualification process. So, yeah, we will be unqualified for sure. You might be going through one of my marketing nurtures. If you you go through one of those, you'll know. So, so if somebody wants that 30 day free, because all we hear is free, it's uh, sproutsocial.com. Any slash in there, or just go there and they'll find their way through. There's a big old start your trial right on the, the homepage here. Hit you right in the face. Okay. Just like Carney's hair. Yeah. Anything else? My hair is looking good today. For North Korea. Yeah. Once again, that was Grover. You're the one who flobied yourself multiple times. All right. No, no, I got the stash. Jamie hasn't, Gilpin hasn't said anything about the stash. Huh? 
Well, I was more, I didn't say anything, but it was more the, like the handlebars dark here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the color, the coloring started here and worked its way up. I don't know how that, that happened. It's pretty genetics. Like he dips past his head in in the dye and he forgets his chin. (laughs) I have a theory about the color of beard hair. Yes. uh, Which is incredibly interesting, which is. If I look at all the hair in my beard that's gray, that was hair that was red. And I think the red hair, tinted hair, goes gray before the dark tinted hair. That's my theory. So maybe you got that going on there, Pete. When I grow hair, it's red on my beard, and I look like I shouldn't be around a park. Um, So therefore, I don't grow facial hair. When you... When you go to podcast school, you probably look that up on how to close a show. I'm sure that's yeah. right at the beginning that is of it. Beard hair color. Jamie Gilpin, CMO, Sprout Social. Thank you for coming on. The Thank show. you. Thanks, yeah, Jamie. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's great seeing you guys. Great to be seen. Carney, yeah. you think you got the rest of it? You think you can do it? Oh, hold on a second. You know, I thought you were going to do this, but hey, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for listening to the Sassholes on behalf of Pete, Jason, and myself. We thank you for listening. I you it was five stars on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely that like button on Facebook, Instagram, Disgustingly and Twitter. Bad. Cue the music. Maybe.